talk about spiritual warfare. Is that just a fun fantasy that people talk about? Is there something to it? Yeah, I don't know if I'd call it fun at all. Uh, we'll, we'll see it in this chapter, though. And you're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Scott. I'm Junior. And we're in Colossians 2, another great chapter, very practical, good theology in this book, as well as uh, good practicality. So uh, you want to start in verse 1, Junior? That's right. Paul writes, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea, which we'll be heading to in a couple weeks. Here yeah, we're Laodicea. going to Turkey. We're going to see Laodicea. And for many other believers who have never met me personally, I want them to be encouraged and to knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in truth that you are taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now, do you remember a couple of years ago, we had a we did a sermon series in Colossians. And the theme of that came out of this passage, verse 7. You remember the name of that series? It was... Rooted. Re- ah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rooted. I almost said Renew You, but that yeah. wasn't uh, Renew You. No, that was Ephesians, I think. That's but right. That was an awesome series. Oh, I loved Colossians uh, doing yeah. the preaching series. But yeah, it was based on verse 7 there, that your roots will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will f- overflow with thankfulness. Yeah. And if you have roots that are strong in truth, then gratitude is going to be the result. Knowing what Christ has done for us, and you can't help but being overwhelmed with being grateful for his goodness. Verse 8 is a serious warning. He says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking or from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. And for those that doubt whether or not the Bible teaches that Jesus was God, I mean, man, that verse right there, verse 9, I mean, it just... Oh, well, we it, saw it yesterday, too. Like, plainness could be... Yep, yesterday's verse as well. Yeah. Yep. So you're also complete through your union with Christ, who is head over every ruler and authority. Now, uh, verse 10, I, I, that's a theological term, union with Christ. And Paul refers to this in a number of different ways. I think this is the only place where he specifically calls it union with Christ. But, um, and this is the... This is the theology behind that, that when Jesus died, of course, he had committed no sin. He did not deserve any kind of punishment. We are the sinners. We are the ones that deserve condemnation, being sent away from God. But in Jesus, remember, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me when he was on the cross, that he was experiencing our condemnation. So when we are attached to Jesus by faith, that we exercise our faith, that is our dependence on him, we receive it, our, our sin then is placed upon Jesus. Our sin died with Jesus. And then his resurrection becomes our resurrection. So when we're attached to him, we have his resurrected life. He has taken our sin. That's union with Christ. And so we then experience all that is set aside for Jesus in eternity because we're united with him. It's almost like parachuting when you jump out of a jump out of a plane. Yeah, and you're, you're, attached first time, to, you're attached to somebody yeah. else. It's not you who has the parachute. Right, right. It's the person you're jumping with. Yep. When you came to Christ, you were, quote unquote, circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. 
For you were buried with Christ and you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. And that's what the picture of baptism is. It pictures Jesus' burial, that our sins were buried with him, and it pictures his resurrection coming out of the grave. You want to tell you verse 13? Sure. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ that is in his resurrection, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And so the spiritual rulers and authorities, thats I think your opening question having to do with spiritual yep. warfare. And there it is right there. It, it is. I mean, that he disarms them. I love that. Yeah. That, and it's not something we have to worry about. Now, we have to, you know, Paul does say, put on the armor of God that's in Ephesians. And so spiritual warfare is a reality, but it's, Jesus is the one that does the defeating. It's not, yeah. you know, I hear I, I, there's some in some Christian circles and these, um, you know, some of these ministries where they talk about binding Satan and they will actually say, I bind you, Satan. You can't bind Satan. It's this battle is not for you to win. It's the the battle is the is won for us by Jesus on the cross, and our victory is contained in the faith that we have being attached to Him. So anyway, he goes on and says, uh, "So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbath." That was the Judaizers that were trying to get people in the church to uh, adhere to the law. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, which is so cool. And Christ yeah. himself is that reality. It's kind of like if you're if you're looking if you're looking down the hallway and you see a shadow that appears, you're watching the shadow trying to figure out who is that, who's coming. But as soon as they appear in the doorway, you're no longer looking at the shadow. It's like yeah. who cares about the shadow? I'm looking at the person now. Right. And that's what he says. Christ is the reality, so the shadow of the rules don't matter anymore. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world so why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. That can be found only in being filled with him, filled with Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit. That's right. All right, great. That was great. Chapter two. It's Colossians two. We're going to be in uh, three tomorrow, but uh, right yeah. now we have it's, uh, Psalm ninety-seven Psalm. and ninety-eight is on the docket for today. All right. Well, and again, a lot of good verses in here, but in Psalm ninety-seven, verse ten, it says, "You who love the Lord hate evil," which is interesting because you know we know we're yeah we're against hating people, but yet we are. We're to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. There are some things that we ought to hate. You can't. In fact, you can't truly love without hating. No, you can't. And that's not a very uh, politically correct thing to say today. But, but, but you hate true. disease because you love your children. Right. Yep. And a gardener cannot love their garden if they don't hate the weeds that destroy them. That's right. So in the same way, we can't love God if we don't hate evil. Yep. All right. Well, today is... 
kind of gross. It's National Chili Day. Oh, you don't uh, like chili? No, I don't like chili. Oh, man, I love chili. I don't like anything like that has to stew together. Anything made in a uh, crock pot where everything tastes the same. I like it yeah, all separate. Chili, that's a, that's an American tradition. Here's yeah. the thing we want you to do, because today is American Chili Day. Today's a great day to make chili. And so why, why don't you uh, either send a recipe to Junior of your chili or or just send him a picture. <laughs> you can send him a picture of you eating chili. Maybe have a little bit of it on your face while you're eating it. No, and, it's just like one of those where it's like, why <laughs> my meat tastes like beans and my beans taste like meat and like what what's going on well, that's here? that's what makes the beans better. Yeah, it, t- no, it tastes like meat. No, thanks. <laughs> Enjoy your chili today. I will not be partaking. All right. Well, I'm, I'm hoping mom will make chili. All right. Well, hey, have a good day and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. God bless.